This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Oh, it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Winter is coming. Toss a coin to your witcher. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. Meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom. Geeks out on Joy 94.9. Welcome, folks. I'm Miranda Sparks, joined by a very dear friend of the show, Crystal Fraser. Crystal, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me on. Now, for those of you not in the know, Crystal has her finger in many pies. She's a longtime contributor to the tabletop gaming industry. She's now transitioned to the world of comics. Her latest work features in Love is a Battlefield, a DC Comics Valentine anthology, where she writes Wonder Woman. Now, Crystal, that's a huge freaking deal. You're the (laughs) second ever trans woman to write wonder woman following mags visaggio how does it feel because wonder woman Uh, is the most iconic woman in comics (laughs) i mean i i think that also makes me like the fifth woman period to write wonder woman (laughs) (laughs) there absolutely needs to be more women behind wonder woman absolutely but (laughs) but you've had your shot now like you know how is it uh i mean it's good it's it's heavy handling a character that's got that much backstory. And one of the interesting things I learned is that uh, the voice I had in my head for the characters wasn't necessarily the uh, the canon voice. What, I, what is I, the canon voice of Wonder Woman? <laughs> well, I, I came of age reading uh, a lot of the George Perez run from the, uh, the 80s and the 90s, the sort of post-Infinite uh, Crisis uh, crisis Wonder on Woman. Infinite Earths. Yeah. Yes, Infinite Crisis is a completely different story. <laughs> I know because... so many, so many infinite, so many crises. <laughs> you know, I, I want to say George Perez's Wonder Woman is so good. I would say he's an honorary female writer for that series. No, no, not until I see the boobies. Uh, <laughs> okay, not until I see his paycheck being only two thirds of every oh, other writer's. Mean, mean. But uh, what is the canon voice of Wonder Woman? Uh, well, the canon voice of Wonder Woman I had mostly down. She's, you know, serious, but a little bit wry in her sense of humor and very earnest. Uh, where I apparently fell down was I always sort of read Steve Trevor as sort of a country boy. Like, he always struck me as sort of, you know, a little bit of a twang to him. I mean, he was played by Nathan Fillion in one of the yeah. animated movies, and that's the, that, that was a voice that... I think he really captured in that character. Yeah, and I I feel like that comes from somewhere because that's that's the voice I had for him up until that point. But apparently, like, my editor was asking, where do all these like little country aphorisms come from in this script you've written? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but you know, getting back to Diana for a moment. you know, she's classically a woman from an island of women raised largely free of the influence of men. How do you how do you relate to a character like that, especially uh, given your own trans experience? 
I mean, I will say, based on my trans experience of having shared a locker room with men, um, I'm all down for a an island of only women. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it was interesting getting to to figure out, I don't know, my perspective, my relationship with Wonder Woman. And I think where it really struck with me is uh, she's... In, in the older stories, at least, the ones I grew up with, she was made from clay. She wasn't born to Hippolyta. She was made from clay and brought to life. I mean, and her origin story has been retold a lot, so I don't mm -hmm. know if that's still canon. Uh, but she was always somebody who was a little set apart because of things like that. And then she was the only child on Themyscira, so there were all eyes on her for her entire childhood, which... I mean, as, as somebody who transitioned young, I can definitely relate to that. Do, do you think there's that relation there that uh, both you and Diana are, are women who had to shape themselves or, or be shaped um, from from out of, like, you know, that you had to shape yourselves? I, I think it's more that we both had to figure out what being a woman meant uh, in the absence of... of, of male influence i guess does that make, no that doesn't really make sense i think it's more that we being woman for either of us wasn't really defined by men she grew up without men around and i grew up knowing i was a woman even being around men so instead of defining what womanhood is in opposition to men it's a process of figuring out what being a woman means to me personally I mean, that, that sounds like, you know, an incredible story. It's an incredible perspective to bring to the character. But Wonder Woman is not um, the focus of <laughs> the gendered story of, uh, of this tale that you've brought to love as a battlefield. We have the villain Blue Snowman, who doesn't get <laughs> very much recognition at all. Who is this character and <laughs> what have you brought to their story? Blue Snowman is a villain from Wonder Woman's Golden Age. Uh, so back then, uh, they were a uh, like daughter of a brilliant scientist and posing as a school teacher while donning this masculine disguise to be a supervillain who uses this blue snow technology, which is ice and snow that doesn't thaw at room temperature. <laughs> Uh, so sort of Mr. Freeze, except whatever whatever they freeze doesn't thaw out on its own. Okay, interesting. And you've brought this, uh, I don't know, for fear of spoiling the story, you've presented <laughs> the character as um, gender fluid. Uh, I did, because for the last... Berna basically disappeared from comics for, oh gosh... 40 or 50 years and only started appearing more recently, but always as a, a joke villain, somebody that poses absolutely no threat and gets smacked around effortlessly. And then everybody has a guffaw at the fact that this woman dresses as a man. Mm. Uh, and it, it obviously never quite set with me. So I wanted to, I wanted to take a look at Berna's personality and, and give them a reason for, yeah, why do they keep going back to this disguise when everybody knows who they are? And why why do they insist that they're a man sometimes, but other times a woman? And it feels like it fit really well with being gender fluid. Absolutely. Now, 
while being trans yourself, you are not gender fluid. So what I'd like to know is how did you go about capturing the the voice of this experience and how has it been received by readers so far? Uh, well, I'm lucky enough to have some gender fluid and non-binary friends who I've listened to their life experience and things they've been through. I've read about the experience and while I'm not gender fluid, there are certain elements of being trans that translate really well to uh, kind of across the board, the same sense of <coughs> the same sense that there is something a little something that sets you apart from everybody that everybody else says should be your peer group. Hmm. Uh, and once I had the basic structure for it, I, I took it to a sensitivity reader, uh, the amazing T-Berry Blue, uh, and uh, asked them for some feedback. Uh, they're uh, they're non-binary rather than than gender fluid, so it's not 100% perfect, uh, but they gave me some really great feedback, some good ideas for how to play up the, like, adjust the dialogue to be more inclusive and more authentic. And, and how has it so been received far, so far? So far? Uh, I've had a couple of cis reviewers complain that it <laughs> seems like the tone is all over the place and they don't understand the thing with Berna's gender. But I've had a whole bunch of non-binary people say that it's really, really helped them feel seen. Uh, Comixosity did a really lovely extended article about Berna and and how they felt about my take on the character that makes me feel really good. Well, that's really wonderful to hear. Um, I, know, I know I had a lot of fun reading the story. Like you, you have a real, uh, I know you write very fun stories is what I've, I is what I've found. Um, Tell us a little bit about working with the artist on this piece. Oh, uh, my artist on the piece was Juan Gedeon. I think that's how it's described. I've only communicated with them on text. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's done some previous work for DC uh, and just really sort of evocative. I wouldn't say cartoony, but very expressive body language and facial expressions just a little bit exaggerated which i think suits my writing style very well so it's been a, and, a little less intimate than it is with some other artists you've, you've worked with a little bit this was my first time working with juan and he was lovely and really responsive to feedback but we unfortunately we didn't get to like hang out for a while this was such a small project that only eight pages that, you know, we didn't exchange a lot of emails or do a Zoom call or meet up at a con or anything fun like that. Yeah, well, hopefully you get the chance soon. But I do want to talk about another project you're working on, because like I said, you have been transitioning into comics in a big way. You've got a few different, uh, you know, irons in the fire, including <laughs> Cheer Up from Oni Press, which was announced just recently about a lesbian uh, high school cheerleader who has a... Um, a romance with another cheerleader and there's a trans character in the lead. What can you tell us about this project? <laughs> uh, Cheer Up is a comic I cannot believe got picked up. <laughs> uh, it is, I mean, like you said, it's got a bisexual, well, I, I guess, I guess she's pan. She doesn't really know what her sexuality is a hundred percent, but, uh, but it has a, a queer young trans girl falling in love with 
a friend she thought she'd lost during her transition. But then they, you know, sort of rekindled their their friendship on the on the cheerleading team, and that that blossoms into romance. And this is a really sort of a wholesome YA sort of story, by the sounds of it. It is, which honestly is why I never thought it would get picked up. It's it's an idea that just kind of came to me while I was on the escalator one day, and I thought, huh. Well, I'll write that down, but no one will ever pick up this story. And, and here you are. <laughs> and here I am. Is, uh, it, is it something like um, that, that people are thirsty for? Like, you know, what's the reaction been since the I, announcement? People have been really excited. I, I don't think people have seen a lot of, I guess for lack of a, for lack of a better phrase, wholesome trans content. So much, so much trans content is kind of heavy. Uh, a lot of it is, I mean, our history is loaded with all kinds of movies where we have to endure violence and rejection and, and just kind of all the unpleasant parts of being trans. And recently you see some more positive representation. Uh, uh, Supergirl did an amazing job with uh, Nicole Maines. Yeah, we also had um, Girl yeah. Haven from Lila Sturgis as well. Oh, Girl Haven's amazing. Uh, I am also amazed. plug out for that. Um, but yeah, that sounds like a really exciting project. And we're probably going to talk to you again as that comes, as that's ready to come out into the world. Unfortunately, Crystal, that's all the time we have for today. DC Comics Valentine's Day anthology Love is a Battlefield is on shelves now. Get down to your local comic book shop, pick up a copy. You're not only supporting queer creators, but local businesses as well. Crystal, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on again. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.